<clears throat> Hello everyone, this is Larry Morrison and this is Money Awakenings and I am fired up today. I'm going to give you the very brief what the heck are we talking about. Money Awakenings is about understanding our psychology around money so that we can better understand the self. It is a doorway into the reality of self of everything, of whatever this illusion is. So, what do I mean by that? I'll give you a brief example. I have a very dear friend I spoke with yesterday, and she couldn't help but talk about, she wasn't taught anything about money except monkey see, monkey do. Her dad, um, he would make a lot, he would spend a lot, and then they would be broke. So she adopted that same thing and became a spender. And it isn't until now till we started working and talking about it that she's finally understanding that it's about stewardship. And she had just copied what was going on. And so that's what we're talking about here, is uncovering the unconscious beliefs and even just completely subconscious um, things we modeled. But seeing where they all go to come to a beautiful place of understanding money and the self. Okay. <clears throat> hmm. I work with, uh, uh, again, backstory. <laughs> I am in the financial world. I've been in the financial game for 10 years. <laughs> I learned a lot, kind of through a lot of different sectors. But there's a difference between the mental and the money game which I talked about last podcast, versus the inner world, okay? And even though they're tied together, um, a lot of people spend almost their entire lives in their mind, in the mental, that is only literally pre-programmed from birth to whenever, from parents, friends, teachers, experiences, and, of course, programming like we see on TV. Okay, I'm a with, I, I love my referral partners. I love my friends that are in the financial world. I want to say that I'm not taking them down. I'm just coming from a different perspective. And that is this. They are missing the why. <laughs> okay. So I was talking, you know, I was training about a hundred or so financial advisors this morning and not on this subject that I'm talking about now on a different subject. That'll come later. But there is a hidden ninja, as one of my friends would say, a ninja belief that's there in plain sight, but only when you see it. Because most people just go about like it's true without ever questioning it. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that is why. So I'll give you an example. When you sit down with any financial professional, they all have different schemes and strategies. And my... Um, their strategy is always the same. How do we accumulate a big pile of money? Without ever stopping to ask the question, why? Why are we doing that? Why is... Retirement age, when we have this big pile of money, better than today. 
How are we going to be knowing what we want to do with our lives 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 10 years from now, however far retirement is for you? And then did you ever stop to ask why you want to retire in the first place? Only if you're doing shit you hate every day. There's no way I'm ever going to retire because I love everything that I do right now. I love speaking from the heart. I love helping people understand and awaken to these truths. Now for a walk in a lovely evening, pretend you're walking with me and when you hear a dog bark or a car drive by, envision us chumily, is that a word? Chumily, chumily, I don't know. (laughs) Friendly, Jesus, I don't know. I'm just making words up here. We're walking. That's what we're doing. So, no one ever stopped to ask why. Like, let's just start with Well, it's a massive big pile of money. It's called accumulation theory. You probably hear me say it a lot. These come from directly from Garrett Gunderson. Accumulation and utilization theory. I'm stealing them, or repurposing is probably a better word, recycling maybe. But <laughs> accumulation theory is total bullshit. And I will tell you why. A, you don't know when you're gonna die. So we have this whole idea that uh, all of us are going to make it to the ripe old age of whatever, the golden years. <laughs> the average, uh, for an American, the average age to death is 73. almost 74 years. Yet we always plan like we're going to live to 120. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so, we don't know when we're going to die, first of all. Second of all, we're afraid to really live. And that's really the crux of it, isn't it? We don't know why we're here. We don't even, like, if you can predict what's going to happen 20 days from now, then I feel sorry for you. Because I clearly don't know. I don't know where I'll be. I don't know who I'll be. But I know this. I'll be connected to my heart and speaking from there. Because the more I do it, the more it feels right. <sighs> okay, so 30 years from now, you'll be able to retire. So let's plan, and it, it may sound like a dig, it may sound like I am talking down on the financial industry. I am not because I was a part of it, I understand the theory. The theory is your body is going to grow old and you're not going to be able to work to support yourself one day. So we have a prevailing belief, um, not on the world, mostly in our country, uh, the United States, where old people are useless, right? So when you become old and useless, we don't want to have to pay for you. So you better work and make money and save that money and invest that money. Okay. Now... We also don't know when you're going to die. Did you know the number one, the number one fear about retiring is running out of money when you retire? That's the number one fear. More than death itself, by the way. More than anything. The number one fear about growing old is running out of money when you retire. So, when does that fear take over? 
when does that fear become real? <clears throat> when you start to see your first gray hair? No, because some people get gray early or bald like myself. But when does my point is when does fear start making the decisions for you? When are you the one making decisions of what to do with your life and not chasing approval of your parents, chasing the love of other people, chasing happiness as if it's outside of you? When exactly are you the one making the decisions? And you could say to me, Larry, I'm always the one making decisions. Is that true? How do you know? How do you know that you don't want that shiny new car so you can show it off in Thanksgiving to your family? To pretend that it's a trophy that you can bring home and get a little bit of love. The dopamine rush of approval and oohs and ahs. That's what we're talking about here, isn't it? Told you I was fired up today. <clears throat> when do you get to make the decisions? How would you know it was you? How would you actually know? You'd have to be connected with your heart to know, right? You'd have to see past the ego which is not an enemy, it's just a child that needs love, that's all. A child who remembers your past and doesn't want you to experience pain anymore. But not wanting to experience a thing and protecting you or anyone from pain means you're trying to only live in the sun. No cloudy days, no nighttime. You're only trying to live at the peaks of life and not the valleys. And therefore, you don't fully understand how this world operates and how we fully experience a thing. Because you must understand its opposite, its contrast to understand anything. To be able to ferret out a preference and weed through it You'd have to understand its contrast, right? How do you know the light unless you've experienced the dark? How do you truly know the cold unless you've experienced a hot day, a sunny day, a summer day? How do you know love if you've never had your heart broken? Maybe that one's a little bit far. I think naturally we understand what love feels like. <clears throat> but unconditional love, that one's hard to come by in this world. Unconditional love means there is no need to ever worry about doing anything right or wrong, 
ever again. It means there is no screwing anything up. There are no mistakes. No one does anything wrong, including you. And everyone else. Not the biggest villain, not the biggest hero. It's all unconditional love. That is a hard one for people to swallow because we don't know it here. Going off on a tangent. Let's bring it back. 30 years to retirement. Big pile of money. Okay. Let's shoot all the holes in this piece of shit. First of all, you willingly hand over your money to someone who's smarter with it. Right? Which they make money off of called commissions. Whether money goes up, money goes down, they make commissions. This is what's called assets under management, AON. Or you have the product salesman, which sells you a product one time, and it's more like a um, set it and forget it. For those of you who remember the old rotisserie, uh, whatever, what were they? Rotisserie cookers, right? Set it and forget it. Anyway. Right, they were those old meat cookers. Anyway, so, the product salesman or the assets under management gang, or a combination of both. Some people will be. They have both, they're dipping both waters, try to get the best of both worlds. And then you have crazy people like myself who are in the financial world that were just way outside the box. Um, we'll call them the outliers or... Um, the outside the boxers, you know, maybe there's 5% crazy strategist people. However, they still, uh, most still operate under accumulation theory. There are others who don't, but for a lot of, most of the time, it's accumulation. Accumulation, accumulation, accumulation for 30 years. Or in however many years you have to retire. Now, problem number one. I've talked about this before. This is the dirtiest little secret in the financial services world. That you can turn a saver into a spender. Turning a saver into a spender, what I mean by that is... You've told someone to accumulate and watch digits grow on a screen or numbers grow in an account on a statement for three decades, the entire adult life of a human almost. You know, if you say you're adult at 20, so 50, like a big chunk of adult life, right? And then you want to just flip the switch to instead of watching that thing grow, to watching it go down, spend it. What did I just say in the beginning? The number one fear of older people headed to retirement or in retirement is running out of money in retirement. And now you expect to watch them watch that bank account go down for the rest of their life, hoping that they die before the numbers run out. You think someone is going to be okay with spending under that pretense? Well, they'll say, well, you'll have this big pile of money. This is how retirement people spend it you'll have this giant pile of money 
So it will still be making money. It's called an annuity usually. But let's just leave that out of the equation and just call it this big pile of money is still going to be spitting off interest. Okay. Or I have a pension uh, that also comes into play or Social Security number if you want to really laugh. Uh, not number, Social Security, you know, money if you want to really laugh at how comical and little you would get, especially 30 years from now. So, oh, it'll still be making interest. Yeah, okay. But you still have a fear of it going down. So you probably are going to try to only spend the interest it spits off. <laughs> Which may or may not... be very much depending on that year because unless it's pure interest on the money it's usually tied to market forces meaning it's not really is it going to just spit out the same number each year right so then you're constantly watching the market to see how much you can spend of your money (sighs) okay now that's problem number one that's just problem number one I'm not even, anyway I could go deeper into that one alone I might spend, well let's just see what the heart wants to do what do you want to do heart? where do you want to go? okay, let's go the other direction the contrast spenders and deceivers Usually what I see too is, and most financial people will tell you this, usually in a married couple you usually have one of each. Like the wife's a spender, husband's a saver, or vice versa. Um, so turning a spender into a saver is literally like telling a child no repeatedly. What do I mean? Mommy, I want this thing. No. But I really want it. No. 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 Okay. How do I get it? Hopefully that question arises. Unless they just constantly get told no by their financial professional, by their finances, by their bank account, by their spouse, whatever. Hopefully they make that internal leap and say, how do I afford it? But if not, now they are confined and their imagination and their feeling that the universe is abundant and will constantly keep giving is beaten out of them. And you're going to say to me, well, if we didn't tell them no, they would spend everything. Possibly yes. Possibly yes, that's true. And there's the problem. The fear of going broke is what's driving you to tell your significant other to stop spending money. There's always seems to be a fear. Number one, fear running out of money. Number one, fear again, running out of money in a different way. Don't spend. Don't take the energy that you gave to society, to the world, that gave you back money, don't put it back in circulation. Mm, That feels real good. 
basically chopping someone out at the knees. And you ever been told no a million times? You stop asking. And now you become like the ant. No, nah, I don't like that analogy. The elephant tied to the stake. Right, you ever heard that analogy before? Ever been in any of the rah-rah sessions with the motivational speakers, right? When an elephant is young, they put a rope around its leg and drive a stake in the ground. When it's young, that's enough to keep them tethered. However, when they become gigantic, the biggest mammal on earth, that same stake with that same force, with that same tiny rope will still keep them there. Because in their mind, they grew up with it. You can already see where I'm going with this. They grew up with it as it being able to stop them. So they still think it stops them. They don't even test it. What we're talking about is these people who are constantly told no as children or as adults now are in the limitation game. As my friend Kyle Cease would say, they are built a limitation in their mind of what's possible. Here's the problem. They're already experiencing broke. See that? The fear of going broke is actually experiencing broke because now they can't spend. I pray to God that those people ask how they can afford what they want. Because it's not about accumulation and not watching it go down, which is what so many people think. It's utilization. And you know the reason why budgets are terrible? is because of what I just said. No one likes to fucking budget. But if you taught somebody how to steward money, that's different. And when you realize your expenses, then you realize your circle. Your circle... Now I'm actually going to have to go back to that damn analogy. So, if you were to put an ant on a white piece of paper and draw in felt pen, sharpie pen, a circle around it, it won't go. It won't move past the felt pen because in its eyes it sees a wall, even though it's not really there. So you have a confined space from which to operate called your expenses, your budget, right? Your income and expenses. But once you see it, then you have to switch in your mind. And Robert Kiyosaki did a great job of this for the most part. I mean, he wasn't... Anyway, doesn't matter. He talks about how. Don't see the confined space and stop. How do you grow beyond it? And in my opinion, the greater grow beyond the expense barrier is to create more income. And we create more income by creating more value. And I'll go into that later. But what I'm trying to say is, and then of course, once you create more income, you can't then create more expenses because you'll be constantly chasing your tail or keeping up with the Joneses is the modern term for that, okay? Okay, we'll come back to that. 
So, now, oh, I know where I am. I'm on the back side of this thing. Sorry, I'm, I'm walking in a place I don't know. So I'm like, oh, that's okay, I see. Okay, got it. I'm feeling left because this is the most unknown to me over here. Okay, so. Two problems right there with the accumulation theory. Not to mention the fact that you don't know when you're going to die. How many people... My business partner, who I love to death, he loves to tell this story. I won't say the exact same story. Eh, screw it. Let's just say the same story. So, for ease. So, he met this couple one time. And they were, their passion, well, I don't know the passion, maybe hobby, they really loved cuckoo clocks. Okay? And they would collect them from all over the world every time they went on a trip. And they... <laughs> They had this one that they really wanted, like their crown jewel cuckoo clock from Germany. And they planned a trip to go get it. Remind you, this couple is getting on in their years. And the trip they planned was nine years from now. And it was like, why don't you just go now? Oh no, it's something to look forward to. <sighs> okay. Did you ever stop to think that there would be more to look forward to after you got the clock? There's going to be something new on the other side of that. You could expand, evolve. And then I, I hear people like, well, no, because you want to keep them goal-oriented. Again, like old people are just waiting to die. And you want to have that goal as some kind of driving force. Get the out of here. Get it and let's move on to the next thing. You think desire is going to stop? You think you're going to stop evolving? This whole gorgeous world, this whole existence, this is the evolution game. what we're playing. It's what God is playing. He's playing the evolution game, which we are a part of also, but we are God. I don't want to get into that semantical thing. It's our game. It's what we decided to do, to play along, actually to join in, to learn, to grow. It's, it's like being a kid all the time constantly taking in more, growing more, being able to look back at who you were and seeing what you've become and then seeing where you want to go. Learning new lessons that make life easier, peaceful, coming to the conclusion of this beautiful path that got you where you are in just the right way, meaning just the right people, having just the right challenges, experiences, brutal sometimes pain. To come here now, to be here now. It's a beautiful game. 
And for those of you, I ask, is there a better one? Because if you ask me, this is the purpose for the universe at this moment, if you have eternity, what better game is there? And if there is one, we'll figure it out and we'll do it then. And so, got off on another tangent. The clock thing, go get it now. You don't know when you're going to die, okay? Let's do it now. This is where utilization comes into play. But utilization theory is built on a linchpin, which I'm going to get into in a second. After I've thoroughly dismantled this stupid idea of waiting to be happy, of waiting to live your life, of waiting to do what you want to do. Okay, but I've got kids. Oh my God. Yeah, and let's show them the same bullshit you were shown of this is the way to live life, doing everything, putting everything off for the future so one day you can be cool. So one day you can do whatever you want. Let's show them to sacrifice today in hopes for tomorrow. If anybody has, and I've, had this be a part of my life. People dying young. You ever around somebody who's died too young? Not too young, because that would be a judgment, but when young people die, it's a constant reminder of like, yeah, statistically we're all not going to be old when we die. And we are going to die. That is a fact. We are going to transform out of these mortal bodies and into whatever the hell is next. We're going to wake up from this dream. And the idea of waiting to live is the stupidest fucking idea because it's safer this way. You see that? People love safety. I love that quote and I can't remember who says it. Most people tiptoe through life just to wind up safely at death's door. We crave certainty, safety, protection from pain. What the shit? How do you... uh, Show me in any part of nature where evolution was not painful. Of course, animals and plants and the earth is always in the now, so it's not like they're crying about it, but... I'm just saying, evolution is rarely not painful. (laughs) So you not wanting to feel pain is like saying, I don't want to evolve. You're going to have to experience it. But, as again, like my good friend Kyle would say, Most people can see what they'll lose, but they have no idea what they'll gain. Those people didn't know what's on the other side of the cuckoo clock. When they got their crown jewel, they could enjoy it. And then some new beautiful desire could be born. Something new that they never even thought about yet. That now will forever be unexperienced because we're going to wait nine years. When I tell the story of my life, I started out in construction almost right out of high school. 
2019 when I started, something like that, 1920, 19, yeah, and um, <laughs> I, I have no regrets about that, but what's super funny is this, I became an electrical apprentice and an eventually electrical journeyman and then an electrical contractor, so <laughs> I did the damn thing with electrician stuff. Electrical fields and um, sparkies. And uh, as soon as I turned out, which is what it means to go from an apprentice to a journeyman, I'll never forget one of my mentors at the time, and someone I greatly admire. It did, I don't talk to him, so I, I guess I still do. I don't know. I wonder how he is. Anyway, at the time, I greatly admired him. And uh, he said to me, Right on, kid. Just 30 more years to retirement. And right there, there was this feeling in my gut like I had just got just kicked right in the stomach. I almost threw up. Can you guess why? Just 30 years to retirement made me want to shoot myself. The idea of it. The idea of waiting to retire. The idea of stopping the evolution. The idea of not growing anymore. I'm not saying that if you're a journeyman electrician, you stop growing, especially in your field or in your life or whatever. It's not what I'm trying to say, or any career. I'm just saying, like, that life was not for me. 30 years to retirement. Get the fuck out of here. Now is the time. I knew it even before I knew anything. I knew that was not for me. <sighs> okay. Where are we now? Am I still shooting holes in retirement? Let me think. Oh, you don't know when you're going to die. Yeah. Those are the big three, I guess. See if any more come up. Hold on. Mm. Afraid to spend, right? <laughs> you missed the mark. That's a big one. <laughs> That's a super fun one. What if you start late toward retirement? Then you're forever chasing the eight ball. Now you're a constant hustler doing all these things. Oh my God. Late to the party. Those. That's the worst one. Maybe not the worst, but that one sucks too. It's like a game of musical chairs because there's this thing called interest. No, I'm sorry, inflation and interest, which is supposed to offset inflation. But <laughs> the biggest thing you'll learn if you ever learn the mechanics of money uh, is this thing called time value of money. And basically, the longer you have to grow your money, the more it'll grow, right? It's compounding interest. And so... If you're late to the fucking party, you're never going to stop working. And now you're stuck doing what you hate. That one sucks. Number four. Mm. I see it all the time when, like, you know, older people who are, especially with super spiritual people or, like, healers and stuff, they get to this point and they're like, because they haven't actually worked on unblocking their money flow, because for some reason, if you're a healer, you're not meant to have money. I don't fucking know where that one is. I'll work on that one later. That'll be another podcast. Anyway, so 
I see all these people that come to the party like, man, I've been working my ass off. All of a sudden I'm 50. I haven't saved a dime. Oh, crap. That late to the party feeling is worse, man. I feel for them because I'm empathetic but it's built on a lie just like all of these things are it's built on the idea that you have to do it their way that this is the way to do it so well if it's the way everybody does it then this is the only way to do it yeah that makes no sense I forgot what I was even getting after with this thing I've been spending the whole time shooting down why accumulation theory is so stupid. We will spend the next podcast on what I really wanted to talk about in the beginning, but I obviously Hart wanted to talk about this, which I'm happy to. But do you think we're put on this in earth to play the money game, to play the accumulation game? Let's imagine you're God, if you can do that for a second. I'm going to make 7 billion life forms, not counting animals or any kind of other nature. And the whole purpose of this game is to play with this thing called money. The whole purpose of this life that I'm creating in this realm, this zoo, terrarium, whatever. This 3D model, this virtual game, this VR headset of a reality is to play with money. That's the whole point of it. Do you see how stupid that is? You see how crazy that is? That's nuts. Why would anybody do that? Do you see video game designers making the whole game about money? No, it's a part of the game, sure, on some things. Usually just to level up your gear or whatever. So that you can have doper adventures or whatever. But instead for the whole point of the game, why are we making as humans the whole point of the game money? That's fucking stupid. <laughs> Let's make it so when your body is about to freaking fold that's when you have the most resources at your fingertips. Real smart. Real just wisdom in that one. What the f... Oh, sunset. It's gorgeous. I mean... Okay. Alright, I think I've bashed enough. Let's start circling this thing back around to what it's really all about. Okay, okay, Larry, now you you don't want me to accumulate money? The only reason to accumulate money in the way that everybody's been doing it is if you don't know what your purpose in life is. Then you're basically setting aside money for that day when the purpose comes. But, and you can still be a good steward.
you could still be a good steward of money without knowing what you're doing here. Oh. Ducks. Beavers and ducks. All right. Okay, so what do I mean? It's like I burnt myself out like I was so <laughs> on one. So like, rah, that raw energy, man. I just, I can just see it so clearly. Like what? Yeah, I'm God. Or even your kids. Let's just imagine that. You really want your kids to play the fucking money game? No, you want your kids to be happy. And most people want their kids to have money or have a good job so that they will be happy because they've still tied money to happiness, which is a big no-no. That's like the number one flawed premise, as Abraham would say. (laughs) Anyway, okay. The only reason to accumulate a mass sum is for the day when you know when you're ready to use it. And that's not when you're old and you want to stop working. It's the day when inspiration takes over and won't let go of you. It's the day when... Your heart speaks and you finally listen. It's the day when you finally go, what if I just did this thing? And you use the mind as a computer and asked it questions. What if I just made that bakery that I really always wanted to make. It's one of my friends. I'm not a baker. So I'm built like one. I do love bread. But he had he has this inspiration and he just won't let himself even think about it. And I gotta keep food on the table for my kids. Yeah it doesn't mean you have to do it doing things you hate to do. What if you just Let yourself imagine. Let yourself imagine. Doing the thing that your heart wants to do. Remember, like, every freaking Disney movie ever made tells you to follow your heart. All the movies we have for kids, follow your heart. When do we actually get to do that again? Is that actually going to happen? At some point, or are we just going to keep telling our kids who 
listen to it, but don't actually do it because they're modeling what you're doing and what everybody's doing, which is just trying to accumulate money and stuff and look really cool, which is the opposite sex or whatever, I don't know. And like, <laughs> they're just going to keep playing the same game. I get it. Being broke sucks. But to me, living without purpose is fucking pointless. That sucks way more. I've had money. Plenty. More than I could spend, like, reasonably. Like, yeah, I could have go, you know. Yeah, I didn't have enough to buy a baseball team or anything, if that's what you're saying. But, like, <laughs> I've had plenty of money. I've been broke. Yes, being broke sucks. But having plenty of money with nothing to do with it and just watching it grow without knowing what to do. Oh, I could go on a great vacation. I could take, you know, my family and my extended family on a vacation. That's all well and good. Oh, I love that one. Those people are like, oh, I'll retire my parents. They've got their own shit to deal with. They've got their own purpose to explore. You don't know what the universe is here to do with them yet. You're doing that because you want their approval, not because you want to actually do that. Anyway, I've had plenty. I've had none. Yeah, being broke sucks. But having money with no purpose is empty, which is why you see so many rich people who are fucking depressed. Because they got to the top of the mountain and they realized nothing's fucking there. <laughs> I thought the money was supposed to make me feel good. Because being broke sucks. So money should feel good. <laughs> yeah, that shit wears off real fast. It's like, a, it's like a trophy. It's like glory, right? Not the movie, because that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> All glory is fleeting is what I mean. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm the winner today, and tomorrow I wake up and I'm the same fucking person. Oh, yeah, I made it, I'm rich, and I wake up and... Now what? I thought this was it. Now you have, when you have purpose, now you know what the fucking money's for. Now you get it. Oh, this is what we're supposed to be doing here on Earth. This makes way more sense, God. Good on you. If I had a bunch of kids or, or a terrarium of sentient lives, I don't know. I would say do what you love to do. This is a playground. You're going to grow, you're going to challenge, you're going to face challenges. But you're going to grow, and you're going to love, and you're going to experience. And you're going to get out there. And you're going to give that gift that you've been given to the world, and they're going to thank you for it, most of the time. And, and screw the ones who don't. And like, they're going to be touched, and you're going to learn from them. And this is a great game called Evolution. And the only way to play is 
to not be afraid of feeling anything. Pain, discomfort, heartbreak. But also, to tap into that gift and give it to the world. If you're listening to this, this is my gift. And I've been given to see through the illusion of money and to help you not make money, which I could do if you really wanted me to, but there's nothing there. Just like Jim Carrey said, I hope everybody's rich and famous so they can realize that's not it. I've made plenty of people plenty of money. That's not it. You can trust me. I'd rather do this. Point you back to heart and let it Create something I could never do for you. Because only it can tell you where your life's going to go. Different wave, same motion. Good journey, my friends.